0: Today. Uh, but I was so embarrassed to, like, stun 50 packets of salt from a restaurant. So uh, just imagine that there's salt sprinkled all around here today. Uh, we're going to talk about being salty. Okay, so, you know, I was, I was, um, the other day I was buying bubble tea at, at Clementi, Koi, you know, the, and then, and uh, I saw an ad outside the salon. Oh no, I'm so sorry, Jared, can I, can I have the clicker? And, and I saw this, and next to the, next to Koi, right, there's this, like, salon, okay, for hair colouring. And, and the banner showed, like, different people uh, with, with coloured hair um, And one of them was this girl Okay, one of them was uh, this, 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 this one, okay So, her name is Christabel Chua And next to her name is said Belly Welly Jelly Okay, which is her Instagram and Snapchat username, apparently Anyone knows her? Anyone seen her before? Yeah, okay, so, wow, who? Heidi <laughs> Okay, so and then, uh, so, so this, this is, this girl, belly welly jelly, okay. Oh, met no, Matthew knows her very well. <laughs> okay, so anyway, uh, in the next line, her profession was this, influencer. Okay, so that's, that's her profession. Like, she's a professional influencer, right? She influences people for a living. And I thought, oh, so cool, right? Like, don't you all want to be an influencer? No, <laughs> no. And, you know, I've, I've always been kind of amused that, that this has become like a job title, like a position or a, a, a profession, influencer, you know. Um, and and I'm, I'm not very plugged into this world of uh, influencers, unlike Matthew. Uh, but I think this is what many <laughs> bloggers or like Instagrammers and, and they, 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 they call themselves uh, uh, influencers, okay. Like people who are very active and popular on social media, they're called influencers, okay. So, so I have no idea who this Naomi... Anybody knows Naomi Neo? Oh, 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 you actually know her. Okay. Wow, okay, great. Clearly influential, okay. How huh, what? Is she very famous? Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, I'm sorry, okay. So uh, I have no idea who she is, but she was featured in a Straits Times article last year about influencers. So I'm, I'm going to check out her Instagram, okay? So she's like, she's 20 years old, about my age, and she has... Two thousand five hundred no two hundred and fifty-four thousand followers. Right? So so I guess that's pretty influential, right? Like Singapore's top lifestyle influencer. Okay, and uh and and yeah, and, and I think the, the reason why nowadays, uh like you know, bloggers or Instagrammers or, or, or vloggers, whatever, um I, I think it can be, be uh, it can now be a profession because you know having influence over two hundred and fifty-four thousand people. Is something that companies actually value. You know, uh, they... they, they um, I, I think the thing about these influencers is that they can influence people to buy a certain product or to, you know, go to a certain cafe or to use a certain service simply through their lifestyle, right? Their, their lifestyle. And like this is Singapore's top lifestyle influencer, right? And, and they are influential because whatever they do, uh, however they, they live their lives, Uh, people are somehow interested and want a piece of it, right? That's why they're called influencers. And and that's why so many people follow them on on social media, and, and that's why companies get them to advertise stuff, right? Now, here's what I believe. I believe that as Christians, as followers of Jesus, that we are similarly called to be and actually commanded to be influencers. You know, Jesus tells us, you are the salt of the earth the light of the world. And so the Christian life is meant to be lived publicly. You know, we are called to influence and change our world. And, and that's what I want to share with you today about being salt and light, about being an influencer. Okay, not, not, not just like the social media kind, but like being really being an influencer. Okay, so let's turn to the Bible. Let's turn to Matthew 5, verses 13 to 16. Okay, let's, let's do this. Okay, let's, let's stand up and let's read the word together. Thank you, Kathleen. <laughs> okay, let's stand up and let's read the word together. Okay, the word of God is very important. Let's read the word together. It doesn't matter if you're reading from a different version. It doesn't matter. Okay, one, two, three. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? Father, we pray that today as we look at your word, as we study your word, as we listen to your word, God, would you come and convict our hearts. Holy Spirit, come and convict us to really live a life that you have called us to, to really be salt and light for you. And God, you know that we are imperfect, but God, I ask that you give us the strength to live our lives for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. You can be seated. Okay, so, you know, um, in church, we talk a lot about being salt and light, okay? So, today, let's think about what that really means, okay? What does it mean to be salt and light, okay? Now, we just read verses 13 to 16, but to get a deeper appreciation of the passage, we need to look at the context, okay? So, in your Bibles, if you're there in Matthew 5, just look up a little or scroll up a little, okay? Matthew 5 starts off with what? What does Matthew 5 start off with? This is like comprehension giveaway question, yes? The Beatitudes, thank you, okay? Just look at the title, it says The Beatitudes, right? So, it starts off with the Beatitudes, and Jesus says, um, you know, blessed are these people, the poor in spirit, those who mourn, the meek, etc., etc. okay? Now, if you live out the Beatitudes, right? If you are poor in spirit, if you are meek, you are merciful, you're pure in heart and all that, um, then the influence that you will have is described in verse 13 to 16 as salt and light. Okay, so if you, if you live out the Beatitudes, then you will have the influence like salt and light. And if you look at the last Beatitude, verses 11 to 12, it says, Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. So, this is what the world will do to us Okay, persecute, insult, etc. If we truly live out the Beatitudes, right? This is what the world will do to us. And then verses 13 to 16 talks about what we will do to the world if we live out the Beatitudes. Okay, we will be salty and we will be shiny, right? So Beatitudes, okay, this is, you know, Jesus says this is how you should live. And then uh, he talks about, you know, insults and persecution. This is what the world will do to you if you live out all this. But this is also what you will do to the world, the influence you will have. You will be salt and light, okay? So so if we live out the Beatitudes, we will be salt and light, and we will change the world. We will be influencers. You know, salt and light living changes lives, right? Being salt and light means we impact lives, means we, we make a difference. And you know, the message translation of this passage, it talks about... Bringing out God flavors and God colors. Okay, so Matthew 5 from Message Bible says, let me tell you why you are here. You are salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth, right? Here's another way to put it. You are here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. Okay, so what does it mean to be salt and light? Now, here's a simple summary I heard from uh, Pastor Benny Ho, who will be our church time speaker. He's really good. Please sign up. Uh, details coming soon? Listen not in main service? Okay. Short advert break. <laughs> so here, here, here's a, a Pastor Benny Ho's definition, okay? Being the salt of the earth is about intentionally living out kingdom values, okay? So godly values, and bringing about kingdom culture wherever we are placed, okay? So wherever we are, like in our schools, in our army camps, whatever. And then being the light of the world is intentionally influencing and guiding other people towards Christ and sharing the gospel with them. Alright, so both are obviously related but the difference is um, being salt is about showing how a Christian should live and being light is about showing who the Christian lives for. Okay, and and, and they're both intentional, very intentional. Okay, and we have to be, so we have to do this intentionally. You know, all these social media influencers, they are very intentional, I'm sure, about all the things that they do. Alright, so there's a slight difference in being salt and being light. So light sheds light, right? It, it's, it, it says, you know, light is like, this is the way, J-E-S-U-S, Jesus, right? Light is obvious, okay? Uh, but salt is subtle, right? You know, you put salt in food, right? You put a little bit of salt in food and then it just kind of silently expands and works its way around the food and spreads the saltiness around. But you don't actually see the salt, right? You, 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 you don't see the salt because, I mean, it's so small, right? You don't see it operating right and you can eat something and it will taste delicious uh but without you ever seeing the salt right so it's it's subtle so being the salt of the earth is it's not so much about like sharing the four spiritual laws or like you know conducting a bible study or preaching a sermon or having some theological debate with someone it's it's about your daily life okay your lifestyle right it's 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 um it's it's more subtle it's about your your love your joy your peace when you go to school, you know, your patience, your kindness, um, your goodness. When you're with your friends and your family, uh, your faithfulness, your gentleness, your self-control. It's about your life and the influence it brings. That's what being salt of the earth is about. Okay, so today is part one. I'm going to focus on being salt of the earth. And in two weeks' time, part two will continue with light. Okay, so today we're going to talk about salt. Now, I'm going to start with um, giving an example of a little story. Uh, just before I left teaching in 2014, uh, I, I had this conversation with one of my colleagues, okay? So he's one of he's one of the HODs and he's a devout Muslim, right? And and I confess I I never thought of sharing the gospel with him ever, okay? Because he's you know he's senior, he's serious, and and, and he's Muslim, right? Um but but everyone in school knew that uh, I was leaving to work in a church. And and one day he he actually approached me and and, and he just started asking me about church, you know, like like what, what we do, um, how does it work and, and all that kind of stuff. And then he told me that he's pretty involved in his mosque as well, okay? And then, you know, like, they do, like, charity work and all that kind of stuff as well. And then he said, actually, I think that there's a lot we can learn from the church. So I was like, oh, wow, okay? And he said this because his impression of church was this. Um, and, and, and I believe he appreciated the idea of the church as the body of Christ, not just, you know, a specific, like, this church versus that church. So So he said that, um, this is what he remembered, okay? He remembered that uh, we had our ex-principal, okay? Uh, when our ex-principal's mom passed away, he remembered her, the principal, sharing with them that, you know, she didn't have to worry about a single detail of the funeral arrangements and, and, and all the details because the people from church just came and helped her settle everything. Um, and so she could just have the time and the space to just grieve and, you know, deal with the loss and, and, and not have to worry about like, logistics and bookings and all, all that kind of stuff. Okay? And, and he said that that really impressed him. That when, you know, in a moment of need, like the whole church just swooped in and helped to settle everything. And and I thought, wow, what, what a great impression to leave on, on a non-believer, right? You know, and I'm, I'm pretty sure that the people from my ex-principal's church, uh, they weren't like, oh, okay, someone passed away. Okay, what can we do to make this uh, evangelism lifestyle and make it... You know, I, I'm sure they, they weren't like thinking about reaching out to the lost or whatever. They were just doing what the body of Christ does, the family of God does. You know, one, one person is hurt, the rest of the body just swoops in and supports and cares and helps. And, and, and he said that it really, it really impressed him that, you know, that the church functioned like a family, a huge body. And then when I left school, uh, this, you know, my colleagues wrote me a card and all that. And, and this, this Muslim colleague, he wrote in my card, uh, Joanne, you are just so nice Okay, so two things Number one, I'm not nice uh, Do not say amen it, You know, if you, if you know me I, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not like a naturally nice person You know, I, I have to work at being gentle And kind and, and, and all that, okay So number one Number two, I'm not close to this colleague at all Okay, like we don't hang out at all We just like attend meetings together or, or whatever But our main interaction is this, okay So he was the HOD who was in charge of all the bookings Of the facilities in school Okay, uh, and you know our school compound is so small they are, they are really limited uh, uh, space okay um, and so like committees and departments and teachers and, and CCAs and all that we're always fighting over rooms, okay who gets to use the rooms right and and sometimes these fights uh, will, will get quite ugly, <laughs> uh, teachers are human too, you know um, and and people like the, the teachers HODs the they, they will get will get mad because they feel like oh I should this is my right to use this room, or like, you know, I booked it first, or like, you know, my activity is more important than yours, and, and, and whatever, you know, and and and, and sometimes people who, who, like, sort of own the rooms, like music room, or, you know, they feel like they need to guard their turf, you know, cannot, cannot, cannot let anybody use the music room, you know, it's only for music, and no, we need it for exams, dude, because I hate, you know, no, 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 you know, uh, if we give it to you, then we'll always ask, you know, there's just like a lot of really lame things, okay, um, and, and so there's always a lot of tension that this a uh, colleague of mine would have to deal with because uh, teachers would like, you know, they don't, don't, wanna, don't want to let go and then get the on, like, no, oh, but you know, mine's more important, blah, 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 that kind of stuff. And, and so I gathered that this nice impression that he had of me came from this main point of interaction because I always tried to be nice about room bookings, okay? Uh, because I know it's very stressful for him, right, to manage limited rooms with uh, many, 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 many activities and uh, very vocal and aggressive teachers, okay? Um, and, and so, whenever he came to me and said, hey, you know, join the, the drama studio. We need it because blah, 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 blah. You know, I know you have drama lessons, but blah, 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 blah. So, and, and I was just like, okay, I'll, you know, we'll discuss it and, and kind of try, try to settle it cordially. And, and, and it's not even a big deal, right? I mean, isn't that what normal people do or normal people should do, right? Um, but, but I guess, like, many people just don't do that. You know, they just argue or they refuse to give out their space and, and all that. And I think that's why he said, Joanne, you're just so nice, okay? And, and because, yeah, I, I know I, I'm not always nice, but I'm thankful that, that that was the impression that was left on him, okay? And, and so, you know, in Singapore, it's a bit sensitive to openly preach to Muslims, right? Uh, uh, and, and so, I, I think it would be hard for anyone to really go up to this colleague of mine and, like, share John 316, um, that kind of thing. But my hope is that, you know, he will continue to see all these glimpses of, like, godly living from Christians around him that, that, that without the gospel being explicitly preached to him, um, that he will just be able to see the God colors and God flavors in the way Christians live, that one day he will see the light, the true light of the world, and come to know that it's not because Christians are nice people, uh, but that we are saved and transformed people. You know, that, that we have no light of our own, and we are just reflecting the light of God. And, and that's what it means to be salt. You know, not to like explicitly preach the gospel. Jesus loves you. He died for your sins. But just in our lives, you know, in the way we conduct ourselves, in in the way we live, being the salt means living out godly values, kingdom values, and bringing a godly culture to wherever we are, like in our school, our army camp, um, our family, our class, our CCA, wherever. Living in a way that, that pleases and glorifies God. You know, studying in a way that pleases and glorifies God. You know, um, playing games in a way that pleases and glorifies God. Interacting with our friends. Eating. Spending money. Spending time uh, in a way that pleases and glorifies God. And you know, I believe that the most effective evangelism is less about an event, like Easter outreach or Christmas outreach or whatever, than it is about a lifestyle. Right? A lifestyle that shows God flavors God colours. You know, it's less about convincing people or like proving to them that Christianity is the best religion and all that. Because most of the time, people don't want to hear all your arguments and and be convinced, you know. But they will observe and they will see on a daily basis. And this call to be the salt of the earth comes right after Jesus talks about the be attitudes, right? The be attitudes are all about what Christians should be and then Jesus ends it off by saying, be an influence. Be salty. Be shiny. Be salt and light. You know, Acts 1-8, right? We've all memorized it. It says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be. <laughs> Letter of the day. Be, be my witnesses, right? It, it's not, you know, um, power comes to you and you will do witnessing, right? But you will be my witness. The, the emphasis on being a witness. And it's not about... And you know, it's, it's, it's not about religious stuff that you do, like the Pharisees, right? It's not about like, doing all these religious stuff. The evangelism is it's not just about like inviting your friends to an outreach or, or, or doing street evangelism or preaching a message, although all that is good too. The most important thing is to just be a Christian, right? Be a witness. You know, you know those social media influencers, right? They, you know, they don't, they don't usually, I mean, I'm not very familiar, but I think, right, they don't usually explicitly explicitly say buy these shoes or like go to this cafe right they they it, it's it, it's subtle right it's like um you know they post some cool picture of themselves like lounging in some cafe on some pretty chair with wooden walls and a hipster sign or whatever and they're drinking some cup and then you're like, and or whatever you know and 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 your followers see that and they're just like oh my gosh i want to go there too right that's how it works that's how the influence works right or like Oh, I really want you know, a pair of shoes like that, or like a dress like that, or whatever. That's how the influence works. It's not, it's not usually like, buy these things, or like, go to this place, quote my name to get 50%. Wait, wait, wait. Right? It's, 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 it's about the lifestyle, right? Singapore's top lifestyle influencer. You know, it's about the lifestyle. So we need to be an influencer by being a witness of God, by demonstrating the God colors, the God flavors, in our lives, so that people will look at you and say, I want what you have, right? I, I want what you have. You know, I have, I have a friend, uh, we're in very similar situations. We both have two young kids, uh, we both used to be teachers, our husbands are best friends, uh, so we hang out a lot, right? And my friend, she's, she's, uh, she's very easily stressed and very, very often stressed, okay? She'll tell me, like, ha! Huh? You brought your two kids to the park on your own? Cannot, 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 cannot. I, 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 I cannot handle, I cannot handle, right? I cannot handle the stroller and whatever, whatever right? Or when we were both like teaching or we were, when we were both pregnant, she was like, Ah, how you, how you manage that? I cannot, I cannot. I'm on four weeks MC. <laughs> you know, uh, I, I'm too tired. I cannot, you know? And, um, and quite often she would tell me like, ah, I'm, I must learn to be more like you, you know? Why are you so chill? You're just like at peace, Right? Just because I'm lazy. But um, <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, I have the peace. So. <laughs> uh, and, you know, and, and, and she would tell me, like, all the, the problems she has in the school with her colleagues, her principal, whatever. And, 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 and I was very blessed in my previous school. You know, I had a really good principal, and I just, like, was not involved in all the politics or whatever. And, and so my friend would, would tell me something along the lines, like, um, I want what you have, Joe. I want what you have. And then now I look at her, and she has two kids. She's pregnant with a third one, and she's still so slim. And I'm like, no, I want what you have <laughs> But yeah, okay Anyway, we, you know, we need To live our lives In such a way that people sense Something different in us Like, like why do you have so much Peace and joy in the midst of stress Right, why, why do you talk To that loser when nobody else talks to him uh, You know why, why don't you just copy your homework Because the teacher won't know anyway, right Why, why must you be different like, Why are you so nice to the person who's horrible to you why do you bother to listen to your parents when you're so unreasonable? Why? Why? Why are you like that? And you know, that form of evangelism is a lot more effective than merely saying, hey, do you want to believe in Jesus? You know, it's a lot more effective. And, and, and sometimes this salty influence, right, this bringing out of God, flavors, God, colors, it's is so powerful that, that people want what you have and, and they want to be Christians just by looking at the way you live. Okay, consider Acts 16. Okay, let's turn to Acts chapter 16. There's a story about Paul and Silas. Okay, Paul and Silas, they were wrongly accused, they were stripped, you know, they were beaten, severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, their legs were clamped in iron. All this is what was done to them. Okay, persecuted and all that. And then the first thing, the Bible records of what they did was this. So, in the face of all this persecution, this is their response. Acts 16, 25, um, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening to them. So they were persecuted, you know, beaten, flogged, blah, 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 and their response was, let's have PPP prayer and praise night in the jail. Uh, and, and, and that was their response. And this is literally Matthew chapter 5, 11 and 12, right? They were persecuted. People falsely say all kinds of evil against them. They were tortured. And response to all that, they just worship and obviously it was loud enough because everyone heard it okay and then the story gets kind of weird okay um suddenly there was a violent earthquake and all the prison doors flew open it's like like some cartoon right like kaboom, off. all the prison doors open everybody's chains came loose you know so maybe in their prayer and praise night they were singing oh you know, where the spirit of the lord is there is freedom oh! Freedom! Every chain is broken. Ah! Ding, 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 right? It's like this strange and uh, random miracle, right? And here was this, but here, here was the strangest thing, okay? None of the prisoners ran off, right? So they were like, chains be broken, and then, cling. oh, it's broken. And just continue sitting there, right? Instead of running off. It's like, you what, mate? <laughs> Hurry up and tell! Right? Um... And and the jailer, the poor jailer, he saw all the prison doors open, and he was like, "Oh, Gigi, I've lost all the principal uh, prisoners that I'm responsible for," and, and he was gonna kill himself, right? Because he just he he just totally failed at his job. Um, so he was gonna kill himself, and then Paul shouted, "Chill, bro, we're still here, and we're all here." Um, and you know, I guess they stayed because they they. They respected the authority the government had over them. I believe they stayed because they trusted that, that God has a plan. God's in charge. You know they don't have to sneak off like guilty criminals. Um, and I believe they stayed because they didn't fear men; they just feared God. And then look at the jailer's response. Okay, verse twenty-nine. The jailer called for light. He's like, "Let's get the lights." Sure, boy, you're always still here. Uh, he rushed in and he fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? You know, Paul and Silas, they displayed so much God flavor, God coloring, um, just in their response to the persecution that without explicitly preaching the gospel or sharing John three sixteen or anything, the unbelieving jailer, and I assume that jailers are all like mean and tough and big guys, right, fell trembling and he begged to be told, how do I become a Christian? Please tell me, how do I be saved? Salt creates thirst. You know, it wasn't Paul and Silas saying like, hey, you want to become a Christian? You want to come to church? You want to come to Christmas outreach? No, it, it was the non-Christian who asked. You know, it, and it was not just, oh, I want what you have. It was like, tell me, tell me how to be saved. You know, salt is, is a seasoning. It, it adds flavor, right? We are the salt of the earth. And we're here to add the flavor of God to the earth. You know, we need to bring the peace, the love, the joy, the freedom that is found in Christ to the earth. Because that's what people are looking for. And that's what people want. Right? People are looking for true joy in life. People are looking for that peace that surpasses understanding. People are looking for true freedom. Instead of like constantly feeling like, oh, you know, I need to achieve more, work harder, be better than others and all that. Right? We are the salt the earth. We're here to bring out God flavors wherever we are placed. And when we live out the beatitudes, when we live out the fruit of the spirit, when, when we live out the ten commandments and all that, when when godliness is just part of our lifestyle, then we will be salt. Then we will be the salt of the earth. Then we will be influencers, and people will say, "Hey, I want what you have. You know, tell tell me how to be saved." And and church, we need to take this call. Seriously, uh, we need to take this call to be salt and light seriously because Jesus says that the believers who don't live the kingdom lifestyle are basically like salt that has lost its saltiness or light that is hidden, i.e., useless. Right? What's the point of salt that is not salty? It is then worthless, no longer good for anything except they be cast out, thrown on the ground to be trampled on by people. The message Bible says this if You lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness and will end up in the garbage. And I want to talk about two ways that salt becomes useless, okay? This is the first way. Salt is useless when it remains in the salt shaker, okay? The usefulness of salt is only realized when salt comes out of the salt shaker and into the food. Right. In the same way, light is only useful when it is turned on, when it is visible, right? The place for salt to be is in your steak or your amulet or every meal, if you're my husband. It has to come out to be useful, right? It has to come into contact with food. And so, you know, as Christians, we're not meant to like just hide in a little holy huddle have as little contact with the world as possible so that we won't get contaminated by the big, bad world. You know, we're not just meant to, like, okay, we just try our best to thank every week, just thank, try to survive in the big, bad world the whole week, and then, phew, it's the weekend. We're back in church where it's nice and cozy and comfortable. And we feel good. People ask you, how can I pray for you? And we all sing, Jesus loves me, this I know. And, and, and then, oh, it's Monday again back to the grind, and then we just like, oh, thank the whole week, and then, phew, back in church, and you know, it's, it's not meant to be like that, right? It's not like, do, do you ever feel like, oh, I wish you could just stay in church forever, I wish you could be youth camp forever, right? It, yeah, yeah, no! <laughs> We're not meant to stay in this little holy huddle, Right? And, it, you know, we're not meant to just, like, once in a while, you know, maybe we think, oh, yeah, I must do evangelism, and then, and then we just, like, lower a bridge, and we, like, okay, walk across, must find some find some non-Christians, find some people to bring in the church, uh, and then we like, ah, I don't know who to invite, who to invite, just accost all my friends, like, just run through the list of my friends, this one, I uh, cannot, cannot, this one, uh, maybe this one, oh, definitely not, her face like that, you know, that, that. That kind of thing. And then we just like randomly invite some unsuspecting random person to church. You know, make them sit through a service, listen to the crazy pastor preach, and then they go back and we think, okay, I've done my evangelism. woo back to the holy huddle. You've come forever. No, we, we're meant to be in the world. We're meant to be in the world. You know, in John 17, when, when, John, when uh, Jesus prays for his disciples, he says, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world. But that you protect them from the evil one, right? We are to be in the world, not out of it, and not alienated for it. You know, salt needs to be rubbed into the meat, right? It needs to be stirred into the soup. It needs to be mixed into the food. As Christians, we need to engage with our world, with our culture, and then influence and impact it. Not run away and hide from it. We are meant to influence our world with with Christian values and. And, and ethics and attitudes. We're meant to present the alternative kingdom lifestyle. This is how you do life as a Christian. You don't just, you know, you have no life as a Christian, right? It's not like that. We're meant to live a godly lifestyle. We're meant to show that not all lawyers are scumbags. Not all bankers are materialistic, right? Not all students are slackers. Amen. Amen. <laughs> you know, we're, we're meant to be agents of change. We're meant to be influencers, and we cannot reach or change a world if we're not in it, right? And, and, you know, this is one thing that I have to be very aware of, not that I'm a pastor, right? I work in church every day. It's very easy for me to just get locked up in this holy church huddle. I only talk to Christians. I only do church stuff. And and, and as I preach this to you, it's really a reminder to myself to, to you know, not just remain in the salt shaker that I too need to intentionally go and seek out my non-Christian friends and, and hang out with them because if not, how will I ever reach them? And so be aware of the harvest field that you are placed in. You know, whether it's, it's your school, your class, your CCA, whatever, your, your project group, you know, your, your neighborhood, your tuition class, your army camp, wherever. Salt is useless if it remains in the salt shaker and fails to reach loss. We're not meant to escape the world. We're meant to engage with the world so that we can reach the world and change the world. Now, having said that, it is hard to change a world if you are not in it, right? But it is harder to change a world that you are exactly the same as, that you are no different from. Okay, you know, salt is sodium chloride, right? N-A-C-L- Correct? Not bad, right? I last encountered chemistry in the 1990s. You know, NACL, I mean, it, it shouldn't change its properties, right? The molecules or whatever the thingies are called, uh, will, they, they don't change, right? That's as far as my question. <laughs> so, how can salt lose its saltiness? Because salt doesn't expire, right? Salt doesn't go bad, right? Now, the answer is this. Salt loses its saltiness, it loses its flavor, it it loses its usefulness when it gets adulterated with other substances, okay? When it is no longer pure. So salt needs to come out of the salt shaker, but salt is useless when it is not pure. And you know, during Jesus' time, um, dishonest traders would take some sand and mix it into the salt uh, and then sell it at the same price Because they sell it by the weight um, But impure salt is, is really of no use right? You can't like go and sort through right? And so if, as a housewife you, you buy it and you realize that Oh you know what, this is not impure salt um, The whole bag is useless right? The entire bag has to be thrown out And it's no longer good for anything Except to be thrown out and trampled by men So we are to be in the world But we're not meant to be Off the world right, the worldly Christian is of no use to the world. Now consider this, okay, what is the difference between you and your non-Christian friends? Is it just that you attend church every Saturday or Sunday? Is it just that you attend a youth camp every year? Is that the only difference? Because if we are no different from our non-Christian friends, why would they want to be Christians? Right. If, if our lives don't show the difference that Christ makes, why would our friends want to know this Jesus? You know, um, when I was in university, I, I had a scholarship from the government. And so in the teaching force and everywhere else, obviously, uh, people like me were called scholars, okay, because we had a scholarship, right? And, and so scholars often got all these like opportunities, i.e. extra work, and, and all that kind of stuff, okay? Now, obviously, I don't go around telling them, hello, I'm a scholar, you know. Um, although some people do, uh, but sometimes people find out, okay? Uh, and and I'm always very happy when they say, "Oh, you're a scholar! Wow, I, like kampuchu, you, you know? Like I I, I couldn't I I uh, you don't seem like a scholar type, you know? Because I don't look smart. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> I know what they mean, okay? Um, because there is a general perception that you know scholars are are arrogant and and very very ambitious and therefore um, not very nice to people, but 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 I wasn't like that. I wasn't like that in in the teaching, um, in my teaching career. You know, I mean, I tried very hard not to be like that because I know that this is the perception that people have, and and, and I have many opportunities given to me and all that. And so I try very hard to be humble, to be grateful about everything, and not to be just arrogant and annoying, basically, right? And so so when people say like, "Oh, Joanne's not a typical scholar," I'll be very happy <laughs> because I, I I think that that people are you know it shows me that people are like pleasantly surprised to find out that I'm not the, the scholar stereotype, right? And, you know, just being humble and just not annoying, um, it's very useful when you work, you know? It just it helps you make friends and gain favour with, with colleagues and, and teachers working under me and all that kind of stuff. You know, when you are different, by the way, it's a generalisation, okay? I know that there are some scholars in the room. Chill. Okay? Now, when you are different in a good way, it it impacts and it influences people. You know, it, it influences them. It, it causes them to take note, right? What if you were the one person in school or in class who didn't complain about school? What if you were that one person who never complained or, or you know, mocked the teachers? Or what if you were the one person who never complained about, about your parents all the time and instead you had a, a godly, respectful attitude? What if you were the one person who didn't participate in gossip what if you were the one person in, in army who never complained about army or never laughed at all the crude jokes and, or, or never swore or whatever? Can the people around us see the difference that Christ makes in our lives? Can they observe the fruit of the spirit in our lives? Can they see us growing in, in love, joy and peace and all that or, did, or is it just, ah, oh, school sucks, my parents suck, life sucks. You know, every, you know, we're just no different from everyone else. And now, I, I know that all this is tough. You know, I know that it, it, is, it is a high calling. And, and I failed many times myself. You know, I was not perfect at all. and, I, and I was, Many times I've not been a good testimony. Um, but we've got to keep asking God to, to help us, to give us the grace and the strength to be salt and light for Him. Because people need to see the difference in our lives. Right? Our lives have to show the difference that Christ makes. Because we have lost our saltiness if we are no different from the world. You know, another thing about salt is that it's, it's a disinfectant, right? Salt destroys germs and prevents poison. It stops infection and all that, right? That's why, that's why people used to use salt to preserve the meat, to make it last longer so that the germs can't live in it um, as easily so the meat doesn't rot. And you know, that's what we're meant to be as Christians. We're meant to be disinfectant in this infected, fallen world that is full of Evil and filth and brokenness. We are meant to counter that. You know, we are meant to bring kindness where there is unkindness. We are meant to bring joy and hope where there is despair. We are meant to bring truth where the devil has placed lies. We are meant to bring light where there is darkness. You know, salt, salt is a disinfectant, and, and that's why um, people put salt on like cuts, you know, sometimes. You know, and you know, salt stings when it comes into contact with, with wounds. How many of you, when you have an ulcer, you rub salt into it? Yeah! What up? It's great. I love it. Um, it's the hardcore gang. Right? It, you know, it stings like crazy. Okay? It is like next level pain, right? It stings like crazy. But like, I, I get this weird kick out of it. Because, uh, despite the pain. Or maybe because of the pain. Um, because it's so effective. Right? After you rub the salt in... It heals really quickly. You should all try it the next time you have an ulcer, okay? Put some salt there. And you, and you cannot just like... You must rub it in. Amen. Right? And then it just it heals very quickly, okay? So, you know, salt, it stings when it comes into contact with the wounds, right? Just like light is uncomfortable for people accustomed to darkness. You know, if you've been in darkness for a long time and then suddenly the light comes on, you're like... oh Right? And so, so sometimes... Um, a countercultural lifestyle, like a lifestyle according to God's ways and the principles of God's kingdom instead of the world, will rub at least some people the wrong way. Right? That's the effect of salt and light sometimes. Okay? And that's why Jesus specifically said, blessed are you when people go against you because of me. You know, if we all practice our faith privately, no one will get offended. Right? Private faith offends no one. Right? Um, but when we talk about being salt and light. Jesus is talking about the Christian life being lived publicly. It's like that's the whole point that the world will see. You know, salt has to come out of the salt shaker and it has to be rubbed into the world even if it stings sometimes. You know, I, I don't know if you face situations where, where you try to do the, the right thing and then you get mocked or scolded for it. Like, like maybe, I don't know, everyone agrees to cheat on a test or something and you say no and people are like, "What's your problem? You don't act holy, la. You know, or, 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 you know, everyone, you know, you get mocked for, for trying to do the right thing. And you know, a big topic nowadays um, is the LGBT issue, right? It's the LGBT issue, and and if you stand for truth, and if you say that you know God loves all people, but homosexuality is not God's design for sexuality and marriage, there will be people who will say, "It's your problem." What's your problem? Can you stop being so prejudiced? You know, why must you oppose people's freedom to love? It doesn't mean it affects you. you know, don't impose your religious fundamentalism on others. Right? Salt can sting sometimes. And I believe that, that the Christian who is different will be persecuted at some point um, and on some level. But I also believe that the Christian who is different from the world will actually ultimately be respected for it. That it will be to them that people turn to when they see an authentic, pure, and uncompromising life. This is what Jesus prayed for his disciples. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world. They're in the world, but not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them. Make them holy. Consecrate them. Set them apart. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. So we have to be in the world but not off the world. Because salt is useless when it is not pure, when it is adulterated with the world. So, two things that render salt useless, okay? One, if it just remains in a salt shaker. Two, if it gets mixed up with other things, mixed up with the world. We have to be in the world, but not off the world, okay? Now, earlier I shared with you um, that the summary of being salt, salt of the earth is this, okay? Intentionally living out kingdom, godly values and bringing about kingdom culture wherever we are placed. And I want to end today by talking about a young man who did exactly that. Okay, his name is Daniel. Now, we first see Daniel as a teenager in chapter 1. Okay, so turn your Bibles there. Daniel chapter 1. Did somebody turn off the icon? (laughs) Okay, so we first see Daniel as a teenager, okay? He was taken from his Jewish hometown. He was brought to Babylon. He was kind of like taken captive, okay, brought to Babylon. Babylon is a pagan country. And Bible scholars say that he and his three friends uh, were probably 16 years old at this point of time. Teenagers, like all of us here. And this pagan environment tried tried to change them, okay? So here's what the Babylonians did, okay? Now, the first thing is that these four young men, they all received new names. Okay? Look at verse 7. Right? They always give new names, okay? So Daniel became Belteshazzar. Hananiah became Shadrach, Michelle became uh, Mishach and, and Azariah became Abednego. Now, the interesting thing is that if you look at all their Hebrew names, okay, on this side, is that the all the Hebrew names, all the Hebrew names had the word El, which means God. You know what say El should I? Or Yah, right? For Yahweh, the Lord. Okay? So there's Danny right? which means God is my judge, Hananiah, right? Yahweh shows grace. That's what it means, okay? Uh, Mishael, which means who is like God, Uh, and Azariah, right? Yahweh helps, okay? So all their names had had God in them. They're clearly probably like godly parents, right? We give them these names, okay? So um, these were their names. Um, But their new names, interestingly, had the names of Babylonian gods in them, Okay? so uh, uh, Bel was a babylonian god okay so belteshazzar uh shadrach and Mesh- Shadrach and Mishak were named after the, this god called ak or uh, yeah <laughs> i'm serious okay it was the babylonian moon god ak or some some of them call him aku okay uh and then abetnego means servant of nego and nego was also a babylonian god okay so they changed all their names Okay, removed the god from all their names and gave them like pagan god names. Okay. And then the next thing that they did is verse 4. Uh, they were taught the language and literature of the Babylonians. Okay. First step in national brainwashing. Right. It's like they went for Babylonian NE lessons. <laughs> JK, NE is not brainwashing. Okay. So they went for, you know, they were educated in the Babylonian system, right? And then next, verse 5, they were given food and drink from the king's table. Which means that they ate and drank whatever the king ate, which is obviously good stuff, right? Um, So they were fed well, they were pampered, they were treated well. So a lot of effort went into basically turning these Jewish teenagers into Babylonians. Right? whose allegiance and loyalty would, would be to Babylon rather than Israel. Now, here's where it gets interesting. So these boys, these okay, 16-year-old boys, apparently they accepted the, uh, the new names. Right? They went for all the N.E. lessons. But when it came to the food, the food they refused it. Right? So why was this a big deal for them uh, and, and not the other stuff? Now, you see, the food was a thing that directly contradicted the commands of God. Okay, so you can be in the world. Yeah, okay, give me all your Okay, I'll go for all your lessons. I'll learn and all that, right? But, but there's, there's a line. Okay, and the food uh, was the thing that directly contributed the, contradicted the commands of God. Verse 8 says, Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. He said no to food. For teenage boys, it's a big deal. Right, Jared? No, no, no more, Jared. And, you know, the Jews... The Jews had strict laws about their food, right? You can read Leviticus, right? These, these, these were God's commandments. And, and the, the thing about the food was that it had to do with holiness, right? And being set apart. That's why you cannot eat this and you cannot eat that, right? So, for example, um, they were not supposed to eat any food with, like, blood in it. Or they're not supposed to eat food from unclean animals, right? And perhaps that's what the royal diet consisted of, okay? Um, and the other thing was that the royal meat and wine would have been offered to the pagan gods first. So it would have been part of a pagan sacrifice already. And so this is why Daniel and friends decided not to defile themselves, right? Daniel and his friends, these four teenagers in a a foreign court, a Babylonian court, offered the best food and wine. They dared to be different. So they were in the world. They were in the pagan, very ungodly world. They were in there, but they were not of the world they didn't conform, they didn't compromise they remained pure and you know, it's, it's not just that, you know, what I, what I like about this story is that it's not just that, it's, it's not just that they refused the food, but that they handled the whole situation with such humility and grace, okay, look at verse 8, Daniel asked the chief official for permission, you know he didn't stage a protest or go and, you know, rebel or whatever he, he asked, he just asked for permission right? He was doing the right thing, but also in the right way, with the right attitude. He was sticking to his principles, but he was not being like rude or aggressive about it. And verse 9 says, the official showed favor and sympathy to Daniel. Now people usually show favor and sympathy to someone who deserves that favor and sympathy. And so I'm pretty sure that it was because Daniel was a good man. You know, he just wasn't like a horrible pain in the butt. Right? I guess Daniel just demonstrated godliness, god flavors, god colors, even... And he was going against the orders. And so Daniel asked for permission not to eat the food nicely. And then he also presented an alternative. Okay? He said, um, hey, you know what? Let's, let's just try this out. Okay? Just give us vegetables and waters and then test us for 10 days. Right? And of course, you know, they look like, oh, healthier, handsomer and all that. Right? And so, so he, he, he didn't conform, but he wasn't nasty about it. Right? Um, Daniel and his friends, they were practicing a godly lifestyle. They remained pure, not going along with what the world did, but still living out respect, grace, humility. And now we get to my favorite part. Okay, verses 17 to 20. Okay, to these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning, and Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. At the end of the time set by the king to bring them into his service, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked to them, and he found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. And so they entered the king's service. In every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom. Basically, here's what happened. They excelled in school. They were top students. They taught the class. They were model pupils. They had an oral exam with the king and they passed it with flying colors. Question. Have you ever considered that your studies is a part of your testimony for God? You know, most of you here are students. Right? And, and, and that is your role in this season. Right? And I believe that living out kingdom values bringing out kingdom culture as a student involves studying studying well now i am not saying that if you don't do well in your exams it means you have sinned and failed god and all that okay I, i'm not saying that but i believe that that glorifying god in your studies is important you know it, it means it means taking it seriously it means actually studying making the effort To do your best. You know, it could even mean not being so busy with church that your studies are affected. Have you ever considered your Christian testimony to your teachers? You know, I'm I'm, I'm always kind of amused when uh, sometimes I find out that my student, you know, like she's like always late for school, sleeping in class, not handing in her homework. And I find, oh, (laughs) she's a Christian. Or like, oh, she's a worship leader. Oh, she's a CGL in her church. And, and you know, this is not about teachers judging you. This is about living a consistent life. It's about being consistent in your Christian walk. Because it doesn't make sense to say or sing in the weekend, God, I want to live my life for you and I want to honor you and obey you. And on and Monday, it's like, well, I don't care if I break the school rules or I don't do my work or I piss on my teachers off oh, because I only care about serving you, God. Just, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. It's not consistent. And so I want to encourage you to pursue excellence in your studies as well for the sake of Christ so that men will see your good deeds, your good effort, and praise your Father in heaven. It's a part of being salt and light. You anyway, know, it's, it's really not about the results, but more about your heart, your attitude, your effort. This is the point where everybody uncomfortably looks down and thinks about their homework for Monday. Okay, you know, as a side note, um, you know, I really believe this, you know, guys, that the body of Christ needs you to study hard and do your best in school because we need Christians in every sphere of society, even right at the top. And you will not get there by ignoring your studies you will not get there by ignoring your studies and you know you don't have to be in a some high government position like Daniel or, or you don't have to be a top lawyer a doctor or whatever um, to make an impact of God you, you know you can be sought wherever you are placed but just think about this if we have godly people in in the top positions of society in Singapore think about how our nation could be changed and influenced with kingdom values and kingdom culture so do your best in school. Do your best in your job or wherever you are. Do your best so that we can be in the world but also change it rather than be changed by it. So do your best um, you know, in school and go for it. Pursue excellence. Not because you are kiasu or because you, know, you find your identity in your studies or whatever, but because you want to be excellent for God. You have a place in Oxford? Go for it. <laughs> Right? I mean, if you can be the top student, go for it. You know, don't, it's, it's, God is, Jesus is not a God of laziness, right? It's a God of excellence. And so pursue academic excellence. Do your best in school. And again, it's not about the results. It's not like, you know, the most spiritual people get the highest marks or whatever. It's, it's about just doing your best for God and glorifying Him wherever you are. Doing your best so that you can give as much glory to God as possible. Amen. Okay, report to me our CA results. Just kidding, just kidding. JK. You know, um, no, I have chicken. <laughs> you know, you know, these four teenagers in chapter one of Daniel, right? They made a decision um, that they were in the world, but they were not gonna be off the world, right? They resolved not to defile themselves, even though the food I'm pretty sure was very tempting. Instead, they lived out godliness, right? They brought out God flavors, god colors, um, of wisdom, understanding, humility, excellence in all that they did. And I believe that because they made this decision when they were 16, that they could continue to make decisions like this, to remain pure for the rest of their lives, as we will see in the in the next few chapters, right? Now, in Daniel chapter 3, there's the story. Sorry about the picture. It was too funny. <laughs> okay, you know, there's the story of how... Shadrach Meshach And Abednego And at this time They're probably In their forties Okay Um, And they are You know In in some high High ranking Government official role Um, But they refused To bow down To King Nebuchadnezzar's Idol Right Even though the king Ordered them to He threatened to throw them Into the blazing furnace And all that And so People reported them Right People spoke against them Because of their faith They were persecuted But they remained pure They didn't uh, Get mixed up With the world And you know in, in this story, they, they could have easily justified themselves, right? They could have easily said, like, it's the king's orders. You know, I, I have no choice, right? It's the law, right? And uh, I mean, everyone's doing it anyway. I know, I, I don't have to mean it. I can just pretend to, like, squat down and not really worship, you know. And, uh, like, uh, what good would it do to disobey the king, right? They could have easily just blended in. But again, they dared to be different. They chose to obey God rather than men. They resolved not to defile themselves. At 16, it was the food. At 40, it was, I'm not going to defile myself by worshipping and bowing down to the idol and thus break the second commandment. Right? So, made these, keep kept making these decisions. Now, chapter 4, King Nebuchadnezzar tells Daniel his dream okay, and asks him to interpret it. And Nebuchadnezzar is the one who approached Daniel and says, you know what? None of the wise men in my kingdom can interpret for me, but you can, Daniel. It's not like, can you? It's like, You can, Daniel, because the spirit of the holy God is in you. The unbelieving king said this. Because people could see that Daniel was different. You know, in the way he he lived his life, in the way he did his work, in the way he displayed excellence, they recognized that he was different because God was with him. Right? His lifestyle had influence. And then chapter 5, it's a new king, Dalshazah. Do you know the story where like a strange hand appears and writes on the wall and everybody just like completely freaks out. And so the queen mother tells the king, you know what? You should call for Daniel, the man who has the spirit of the holy gods in him, the man with insight and intelligence and wisdom and knowledge and understanding like the gods, the man who can interpret dreams, explain riddles and solve difficult problems. It's like the queen just gave a glowing testimony. You know, he doesn't even have to advertise himself everyone knows what he's like his lifestyle had influence and of course chapter six we all know this the lion's den you know i just learned this week that um, at this point daniel was 93 years old 93 years old right he was a foreigner he was a jewish in in babylon court um, he was a man of exceptional ability right as well as uh, integrity and he was in an important government position. That's why people were jealous, right? I mean, imagine you're like, you know, you're 30 and you think you're like very capable when some 93-year-old uncle is, uh, you know, in the same level as you Know that. And so there were people jealous of him, right? And so they persecuted him. They said things about him, uh, said things against him because of his faith in God. Now, but I love this part. Look at Daniel chapter 6, verse 4 to 5. So they were jealous of him. At this, the administrators and satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Basically, he did all that he needed to do and he did it well. And finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of God. I mean, isn't this amazing? They studied Daniel closely, but they couldn't find any fault with him. He was so pure, pure salt of the earth. And the only weakness they managed to find was that he prayed three times a day, every day. I mean, I wish that, that was my weakness, right? Oh, I can't help it. I have to pray three times a day. Every day. And you know the story, right? You know, Daniel didn't care about that lame law. I mean, he's 93, okay? You know, he, he dared to be different just like when he was a teenager. And he got thrown into the lion's den. And you know, he wouldn't eat the king's meat at 16 years old. At 93 years old, the lions wouldn't eat him because he remained pure the whole time, life of purity, right? Thrown into the lion's den, no big deal. He survived it without any wounds, and it wasn't because the lions were not hungry, right? Because read on, you know, the, the bad guys get thrown in, they go, right? And so, so yeah, he was protected. You know, Daniel was very much like Joseph, whom we heard about uh, during camp. They were in an ungodly culture, ungodly kingdom, uh, they were serving a pagan king, and yet they all embraced their God given assignment and, and, and position, right? They lived godly lives they lived out kingdom values godly values where they were placed and therefore they had an influence they were the salt of the earth they were in the pagan world right at the heart of it in you know a high position but they were not off the world you know these four young men Daniel Shadrach Meshach and Abednego they dared to be different you know, they were the only ones who didn't defile themselves with the food they were the only ones who didn't bow to the idol You know, it doesn't take a lot of salt to change how a dish tastes. Salt's influence is disproportionate to its quantity, right? A little salt can make a big difference to a big pot of stew, right? If you are cooking a piece of meat that's like 500 grams, you don't need 500 grams of salt. You don't even need 100 grams, right? In most recipes, you just need what? A pinch of salt, right? They always say a pinch of salt. That's a pinch. Um, Have you ever eaten unmarinated chicken? I have. I cooked it. (laughs) Um, You know, just putting a bit of salt will make a lot of difference. I learned the hard way. So, even if you feel like you are the only Christian in an ungodly school or ungodly class, or maybe you feel like your class is full of like, gangsters or bullies or gossipers or whatever, or maybe you feel like your army camp is the most ungodly place ever, dare to be a Daniel. You are the salt of the earth. You are placed where you are to bring out God flavors, God colors, to intentionally live out godly values and bring about godly culture. You are there to bring His love, His grace, his kindness, his patience, his joy, his excellence, his integrity, his humility, etc., etc., to wherever you are placed. You are the salt of the earth. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna end soon. Let's get the worship team up. It's okay. Just need the keyboardist first. And and uh, can I also get the ushers to hand out uh, the colorful cards? Please do not spend long. A long time choosing your color. Just take anyone. All colors are equal. Although pink is an Isis. Okay, everybody take a card. Thank you for not passing the pink ones to the boys. (laughs) Okay, does everybody have a card? If you don't have a card, can you wave your hand in the air? If you don't if you just look look through this card here's something we're going to do together um, as a ministry in an effort to be more salty and more shiny we're calling it 14 Days of Love we're going to start on 1st of February that's this coming Monday and it will end on 14 February Valentine's Day so um, this is designed by Bernice uh, with some input from the leaders And, and, and it's a Yes, please feel free to clap. <laughs> She's right. <laughs> um, and, and yeah, it has scripture, it has things to do, it has prayers for 14 days um, that, will, that will, I believe, challenge us to, to be salt and light in very practical ways. You know, to apply God's love in action, to live out His love, live out kingdom values, kingdom culture. And so there are things for you to, to think about and do and, and pray for every day. And so let's let's do this together, okay? 14 days of love. And, you know, in your CGs, in your WhatsApp group or whatever, let's encourage each other to do all these things together. Let's spur one another on toward love and good deeds. And we can, you know, we can share with each other anything encouraging that happens um, when we do all these things. We can post it on our L- uh, prayer board. Let's live out 14 Days of Love. Let's, let's live out the salty lifestyle, you know, salt of the earth. And, and of course, it doesn't have to stop on 14 of Feb, right? This is just to get you started. But let's resolve really to be salt of the earth, light of the world, to bring out God flavors and God colors on earth. And, and specifically leading up to Valentine's Day, let's, let's show and, and live out the love of Christ. Okay, so let's put the cards aside and, and let's rise. You I want to issue a call today. We actually talked about quite a few things. And now I want us to decide if we are willing to live all that out. Will you be the salt of the earth? Will you live out godly values in all that you do? Will you be committed to bringing a godly culture wherever you are placed? Will you decide to be a good testimony for Him? Will you dare to be a Daniel? Will you resolve not to defile yourself, to be in the world but not of the world? Will you not afraid, will you be not afraid to be different even if it means being persecuted on whatever level? are you willing to live in such a way that that people can see the God colors and God flavors in your life that people can see the difference that Christ makes in your life and you know I know very well that this is a high call I know very well that this is very difficult I've tried and failed many times and we will all fail at times along the way but that's okay because God is not looking for perfection He's looking at your heart He's looking at your heart and if in your heart, you resolve to honor Him in this way, to be salt and light for Him, to be a good testimony, to glorify Him, to be an influencer for Him, He sees your heart and He will help you get there. We're all work in progress. So if that's a resolution that you want to make, if if resolve to be the salt of the earth for the glory of God, I want to invite you to come up to the altar and say god i want to be salt and light for you you know it's it's a resolution you make unto god it's saying i'm going to try i'm going to at the very least try to be a good influence in the people around me to live out godly a godly lifestyle you know to offer your life to him to use it for his glory and so this is not ministry time this is resolution time okay it's about responding to god's call be salt of the earth. Let's just take some time to, to think about it. And then when you're ready, I want you to come up and make that resolution before God. It's a personal decision. Nobody's going to pray for you or whatever. It's between you and God. It's a it's a resolution you're making to God. Say, God, yes, I want to be salt and light for you. I know it's going to be difficult. I know I will probably fail many times. I probably already failed many times. But I want to be salt and light for you because that's what you called me to. That's what I'm here for. I want to come out of the salt shaker. I want to remain pure. I want to be your salt, your light. I want to live out a godly lifestyle. So as we sing the song, So wanna invite you to come up, if that's what you resolve to do. Sing the song.
1: Humble. We turn our eyes. We turn our eyes from evil things. Oh Lord, we cast down our idols. We bow. We bow our hearts. We bend our knees. O oh Spirit, come. Our eyes from evil things, O oh Lord, we cast down our idols, give us in hands, give us pure. Pure hearts. Let us not lift our souls to another, but you give us clean hands. Give us pure hearts. Let us not lift our souls to another.
0: Want us to to lift our hands to God. When we lift our hands, because it is the international sign of surrender. We surrender to you, God. We surrender. God, you know our weaknesses. God, you know how inadequate we are. God, you know how many times we failed you, and and just how imperfect we are. God, we want to be used by you. God, we want to be your salt in your life. God, we want to resolve not to defile ourselves. God, we want to be different so that people can see the difference that you have made in our lives. God, we just just do it for you. We surrender because you gave yourself completely for us. So God, I pray for every heart here. That, that seeks to honor you and to glorify you. God, would you strengthen us? Would you help us because we will need it so much? Would you help us to have that godly lifestyle, that, that lifestyle that brings out the God colors and God flavors, that lifestyle that makes people see you? God, would you help us? Because God, we... We resolve to be salt of the earth. We resolve to be in the world but not of the world. We resolve to be pure. So God, let us be a generation that seeks your face. Give us clean hands. Give us pure hearts. Come and help us, God. So God, I pray that you will help all of us as we go into a new week. God, let us be your salt. Let us be your light. Let us be a good testimony for you. And God, give us strength to just bring about godly culture, to just live out godly values, a godly lifestyle in every area of our lives. Help us, God, we ask you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, service is over. Please come back in two weeks for part two. I mean, come back next week as well for CG. And, and let's be doing the 14 days of love and encourage each other to do it, okay? See you next week.